Hello and welcome to episode two of the Authentic You podcast series brought to you by skills In this episode, we will be discussing racism and the impact it has on people's lives and why we should support authenticity and celebrate difference in all its forms. I'm Jane Little and joining me today is Dara Jafari, Regional Director, Framework Manager and Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Lead at Faithful and Ghoul. Welcome, Dara. Thanks, Jane. Very grateful to be here. Thank you very much. It's great to have you. So, Dara, I know you grew up as a Middle Easterner, bilingual and with two nationalities. Can you tell us a little bit more about your family and your early years? Yeah, certainly. So the first time um, I went to Iran, I was about uh, five years old. And it's one of my earliest memories, actually, that um, I always remember sort of arriving at the airport lots of my family like stood there and waiting um especially to see my dad because my dad hadn't been back for such a long time because the um revolution didn't it, it prevented it from going there was like paperwork that was missing so he came before the revolution in 1979 and he hadn't seen his family in like i think it must have been like 20 years or something so for oh, him wow. it was a really emotional you know experience obviously they used to call each other all the time but for him it was it had been such a long time it sounds like a great memory. I mean, it was. I, I think I always had, um, you know, my brother going to the same school as me as well. So the happy memories I always had were me and him being able to speak in a different language as well, which is quite fun. Like, uh, you know, that you know, it's a language only me and him could understand, obviously. And we had a, a cousins as well that went there, but they couldn't speak speak like we could. So mm. I, I generally had, you know, sort of good memories, I suppose. But then also. I used to get a little bit embarrassed, I think, when my parents would speak Iranian to me when I was, you know, in school or something. If they came to a parents' evening, I kind of felt a bit embarrassed about it because I didn't want people to know that, you know, I was, you know, from Iran, I suppose. I kind of liked sort of fitting in and saying I was British. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that, that that's one of the, the things that we're talking about, you know, feeling a bit different, especially in your younger years, can, can be... Um, unusual and then if, if we take that even further can you are you able to share with us a time when you've received racial abuse maybe as far back as your school days yeah definitely and I think you know, I mentioned this as one of the one or two of the talks I've delivered is that especially um pre pre 9-11 the the notion of sort of being racist uh, or prejudiced towards you know Muslim people or people from the Middle East I think was not really a concept that happened uh, as often and then post 9-11 and you know the whole war on terror I think really kicked off um, with a lot of people feeling you know unsafe especially I remember you know going to school and I was quite you know tall and I was quite mature for my age and you know I'd be conscious that I had like a beard at a young age and I'd be sat on a bus or something even and I'd sense that people would look at me like slightly different it was really strange how quickly that kind of changed during that period and the thing I've mentioned on the talk is that you know there was a period in in school a particular incident when you know somebody asked me after I just got back from a a holiday to Iran somebody asked me if I was had gone there to visit Osama bin Laden Mm -hmm. and it was such a new concept that my teacher didn't even know how to deal with that you know they said to me that that that, that's a joke you shouldn't have um, taken it so seriously don't be upset by that but, you know, yeah. it was really upsetting. Um, and it was it was kind of, you know, like I said, it was a situation people hadn't been in before, I think. So didn't know how to deal with it, including yeah. myself. I didn't know. 
Absolutely. And how, how did you deal with it, Dara, that day? I think that day I just sort of felt really sad, actually, to be honest. And I remember I came home and told my dad about it and I was really you know, getting really irate and I was really angry. And, you know, I said, I'm going to go and speak to the headmaster and mm-hmm. write a letter. And my dad was just like, I'll oh, just, you know, forget about it. That person's not going to get anywhere in life. And it really tried to talk me out taking further action. And um, yeah, I, that kind of upset me because I feel like he was projecting probably the way that he had been brought up to sort yeah. of keep his head down. Um, yeah. I don't blame him for that at all. Obviously, I think he's he did. It might have done done me a favour. I don't know about then to not get annoyed about it, but I think subconsciously I, I was pretty upset that there wasn't further action taken. Yeah, and I think it would be hugely upsetting to have those comments made about you and your family. Um, anyway, and I suppose that would be one time where an ally in your teacher or another classmate would have made a total difference. But like you said, you know, a teacher just saying it was taken as a joke and don't get upset would just compound the issue. Definitely. I think they thought they were doing the right thing. You know, they they genuinely weren't. They were being supportive, but just what they were saying wasn't, you know. Yeah. So I agree. Oh, totally. Um, and, And what about your teenage years and young adult years? How did you how did you find them? What impact did racism have on you on that stage in your life? Yeah. And interestingly, there's always something that, again, whenever I was always somebody that wanted to speak out about these things. And I remember in particular when the Woolwich murder happened, which was, you know, a horrific event for England and, you know, the world, obviously, that was a horrible thing to happen. And I remember the fact that the news put that person who committed that crime uh, that gave him, you know, a segment where he was talking, saying, you know, I'm Muslim, except I don't know if you remember it. I don't think that would ever be allowed now, but he was talking to the camera saying, I'm a Muslim man and, you know, I've done this and I've done it for Islam. Mm-hmm. And I remember I took to Facebook um, and I said, you know, this is a horrible event and my condolences to all of his family and everyone in the UK has been affected by it. But the news shouldn't not be giving somebody like that an audience like if you you know the islam that i grew up in if you commit a crime you're not yeah. muslim like don't go and put this guy on show you know it's disgracing us and making people think that you know we we condone that behavior i was really upset the fact that you know that that had been done really by the news and i don't think that would be done nowadays but i remember jane the comments on this post generally really positive but i had two or three comments from people i know saying some really horrible things actually people i knew that didn't get the gist of what i was saying one of them even wrote if you're so upset why don't you go back to where you came from you you p word is what they said to me i won't say the word no um and i complained to facebook about it and this is you know like 12 years ago or something they they came back to me saying oh it's freedom of speech And, and again that that wouldn't be freedom of speech now people have been put are given like sentences haven't they for yeah. calling people out like that so back then it was a very different landscape to now I suppose and those things that I went through really had to it, it kind of left me with a lot of anger I'd say Jane inside that I had to sort of process and deal with you know yeah absolutely and uh, you know again thank you for sharing because some people just don't understand this on on the level that you're talking about and like you say things are changing which is good but wow there's still a lot more work to be done and then that 
that brings us to you and your role now. Um, you, I know you give lots of talks on diversity and inclusion and, and difference, which is wonderful. But for you, Dara, what was the turning point? How did you th turn things around and make this decision? Actually, I am going to live as my wonderful, authentic self. Yeah, and I think definitely the turning point for me was when uh, my wife was pregnant with my son, actually. And, you know, I was thinking, wow, you know, I'm bringing someone into this world and what kind of world do I want to bring them into? Do I want to bring them into a world where, you know, I've had those experiences and I didn't process them as well as I could have? Or do I start telling that message that everything I went through and try to make my piece of the world like a little bit better? Um, and I definitely took, you know, obviously the latter option, and that's exactly what I'm trying to do. And, and I'd say, you know, it definitely hasn't stopped like, ever since he's been born. Like, all I ever think about is I need to make this world, you know, a slightly better place and as much as I can. So, so that was the turning point. That's absolutely brilliant to see you, you putting all of the energy and knowledge that you have now in, into being part of this change that we so badly need um, in society. And Adora, I remember you once said to me, empathy is easy when you're presented with authenticity. Can, can you reshare that story for our listeners? Yeah, definitely. And I think what I'd go back to is probably the um, story of a, a senior leader that I knew, I know quite well in a, in a different business, um, who kind of you know, approached me probably about six months, seven months ago now. And he, he said to me, look, um, I saw you're doing lots of great things with EDI. I just wanted to speak to you about something. Um, and, and, you know, he knows I share this story, by the way, it's not confidential, <laughs> but I'm not saying his name. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but he approached me and, and he said, look, I feel like I've got so much to learn on this journey. But at the same time, I feel very worried about the future of my career. And, and in his own word, being a, a middle-aged white man from a you know a middle class background I feel like with all these other uh, diversity inclusion initiatives that maybe my career might suffer because somebody else might get a job in, instead of me and then suddenly I'm being you know blamed for being part of a demographic or a skin color that I was born with um, and I feel quite uh, upset that you know suddenly I'm looked at in that way over something I can't control and you know I, I kind of understood where he's coming from but I took a step back and thought okay right how long have you felt that way and he said oh about a month or so and I really had to be almost brutally honest and say okay you felt that for a month but imagine there's people out there that have felt that for 20 years mm -hmm. and they're saying their careers haven't advanced because of you know the, the religion they are or because of the gender they like to identify with or because of their sexuality etc and I think that really really hit home, the penny really dropped to them um, after I said that, that, you know, there's actually people out there that have impacted all their lives, you know, by things like that. And he's only experienced it for a short amount of time. Um, and he was really thankful to see that different perspective. And, uh, you know, that's definitely a blind spot that he's had. And, and ever since then, you know, me and him have great conversations and talks and he's really expanded his knowledge. And yeah, I think it was a, a really great conversation, even for me, Jane, you know, I learned a lot from him, like getting into the psyche of that demographic, I feel like I learned a lot. Yeah, really powerful story. So how how can our workplaces create safe spaces to allow people to have these kind of open but respectful conversations at work so that we can all develop greater empathy and greater cultural competence? Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that <clears throat> I always say to people is that whenever I do talks or whenever we're talking about a particular, a particular topic that 
you know, a cultural topic that's in the news that's going on, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement last year. If people are genuinely interested and intrigued, there is nothing wrong with reaching out to your colleagues that have expressed, you know, an interest in that. A lot of people think there's a stigma around, you know, say if I did a presentation just like I am now talking about racism, mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with, you know, somebody from a, a white background, a white demographic asking me in-depth questions about it. In fact, that's exactly what I want to happen. You know, we don't talk about these things because we want it to be hush-hush. Um, so what you could do in your workplace is just try and initiate those conversations. And a really good way that we do it is at the start of our meetings, we try and have like a equality, diversity, inclusion moment where we just talk about a particular thing. It could be a, a broad range of things, Jane. It could be like talking about disability at work or stereotypes, etc. And um, it just gets the conversation going and gets people thinking about it and, you know, give them a resource where they can learn and read and just basically start those conversations, really. And don't be afraid to be open and don't be afraid to challenge. Everyone's got their own view. That's really good advice, because certainly I, I, I know people, like you say, do worry about it. They worry about saying the wrong thing and they're letting perfectionism prevent progress. Um, so that's very solid advice. And it sounds like at Faithful and Ghoul Bay, you're moving towards like an everyday inclusion and diversity piece um, if, yeah. if it's brought up at meetings, which is superb. Um, and, and finally, I personally believe it's within everybody's gift to be an ally for another person. Could you give an example of when you've received good allyship so we can all work to influence positive change and become better allies as individuals? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. And, it's, and I'll go back to um, one of my colleagues, actually, uh, who's um, joined you, one of your uh, great mentoring programs actually I won't say his name but uh, he I remember initially telling him the stories that I've been talking about at the beginning of this and it was almost before I started my ED&I journey actually I just joined our Embrace community and I actually spoke to him really openly and said you know I, I've had my son born etc and I'm, and I'm getting all sorts of like feelings and I'm feeling like slightly worried about the world I brought him into and I've got the because he's um, from Muslim background himself and I said I felt like I've suppressed my Muslim roots and he helped like set up a call for me with like a, a Muslim mentor and I literally just spoke to him and, and, and I haven't gone back to completely going into uh, the Muslim faith but there's so many aspects of it that were key to me growing up you know like my granddad being around a lot he was very Muslim and I felt like I needed to reconnect with that part of my life, especially because I've been to Iran for like six or seven years because it's it's been made quite difficult with sanctions. But and he really helped me just, you know, understand that there are people out there that were willing to listen to me and hear me out. Because you can imagine, Jane, it'd be hard for me to pick up the phone to, you know, a line manager I had that was British and have those conversations. It just wouldn't have been the same. But um, <laughs> but now I've I felt comfortable with it. I can have those conversations and those are things that I'm starting to do. So it's always a two way thing. Like I need to be comfortable to talk about it as much as somebody needs to be comfortable like hearing it as well. Yeah, yeah. Good advice. So it comes back to having these this respectful curiosity, open conversations, supporting Definitely. each other um, and finding allyship for yourself and, and with others. Dara, I can't thank you enough um, for sharing your story, for taking time out of your day twice today to talk no to problem. us. And I know you'll have broadened everybody's empathy, which I hope will trigger many acts of everyday allyship. And thank you for reminding us that that difference makes a difference and that we should all celebrate our unique differences and live our lives as our authentic selves. Thank you, Dara.
thank you very much, Jane. Pleasure.